Hey, Pokemon trainers, this is Ash Ketchum, and you're listening to Nintendo World Report! Ha <laughs> Welcome to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode 125, and with me this week we got a a long time. Uh, I don't know how to say this, man. Welcome back. Yep, it's uh, <laughs> I, podcast co-founder, I guess you could say. Well, that's that's right. This is uh, Wendy uh, Stephen Rodriguez, also known as Wendy Man. He he was on the pilot uh, episode of uh, Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. Of course. And of course, I kind of ran things for a couple of years too. There was that. Yeah, right. Uh, so he, he used to be the the director of our website, yeah. and um, and I couldn't figure out when the last episode you were on was. It might have been around like March of two thousand eight. Does that sound yeah um, about right? Yeah, I remember going back through all the old episodes, and I thought I was on a lot longer than I was, but I think it was only like yeah. six, seven, eight, nine, ten episodes, and. Then I kind of had to go away for a little while. So you, you, you were a regular. I mean, one of you know two or three people. I went back to several times during the very beginning of this. Uh, oh yeah. Of this podcast, but um, yeah, you had to go on to other things. You know, life got real, and yeah, um, really real. <laughs> we touched base, uh, you know, and, and I'm like, hey, let's let's record again. So here we are. Oh yeah. You know, it's the same drill as it used to be. Uh, five games, three songs per game. Bonus question. Not a lot's changed over the last, God, how long has it been? Really? It's 2014 now, and we started in like 2008 or 2007 Jeez, for the really podcast. it a long time, hasn't it? It's hard to believe, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, even though it's not as regular as it used to be, you know, still 125 episodes, that's a nice, that's a nice milestone, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, we were weekly for a while. Um, then every, but, uh, every other week, and then yeah, yeah, every yeah. month, uh, and now it's just, eh, yeah, exactly. So now yeah. maybe if I'm in the rotation a little bit more and get you off your butt and get some more of these things out there. <laughs> well, I, I've got other responsibilities, you know. I suppose. Well, uh, we should move on. Wendy picked, uh, I think, three of the games. We've got a listener request and, and a mystery game as well beyond that. So um, let's get started. Let's do this.
Well, starting things thing off with a little bit of an upbeat game here. Yes, that's that's good. Let's let's have some more of that. Oh, you'll get lots more of that. I'm sure there are a lot of people really scratching their heads right now. I am one of them. <laughs> well, here is a, a hint question for you. All right. The unlockable character costumes for this game revolve around what general theme?
All right, Wendy. Any ideas? <sighs> well, no idea on a game, but if I can just kind of speculate just based on what I've heard, it does sound like... I mean, it almost sounds like that's a Japanese developer. Yep. Yeah, just just, just that style of music. Just is like what the Japanese might think of a nice summery kind of... <laughs> It's just what Japan thinks of Southern California. I don't know, but that's what it sounds like. Well, I was really hoping that uh, listeners have all their synapses firing for Mario Golf, and yet saying, what the hell, you've used all the Mario Golf games. Because this is basically the Mario Golf game uh, we never got for Wii. This is We Love Golf, published by uh, Capcom, and uh, developed by Camelot. So, uh, for one reason or another, uh, I guess Nintendo probably opted not to have a Mario Golf game. Um, maybe because they already had something in Wii Sports, or maybe it was because of what Camelot wanted to do and they didn't like it for Wii. Uh, who knows? But uh, it never happened, and instead, uh, we got this thing developed by Camelot on their own, and with Capcom publishing it, at least in the, in the West. I don't know if they published it um, in Japan as well. Um, and it, it really, it really is a, Mar- a Mario Golf game. When you look at it, uh, same composer uh, Moto Sakuraba, who yes, a very Japanese composer. Yeah, yeah. And you know, now that you mentioned it was Camelot, it does kind of have that vibe, doesn't it? Yeah, the instrumentation and and just sort of the overall. When you look at the the graphics, it's like it's it's. If you took a picture of that game without any of the characters in it, it looks exactly like uh, Toadstool Tour. Uh, it, it just no. You know, maybe the fact that it's widescreen or something, but doing research for it made me really realize I'm uh, I'm really pining for another Mario Golf game. I haven't played one in a long time, and uh, we got one coming out for 3DS pretty soon. You know, you know, of all the, the Mario sports games, and let's be honest, there are a lot, a lot of them, the golf and the tennis really have always been my favorites. And I, I really don't like golf or tennis games that much, but for some reason, like tennis I think would be my favorite. But golf's right up there in a close second. It's just something about putting Nintendo characters like Mario specifically into like a whimsical golf environment that just just makes it work so well. And I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, it, go- golf um, has a lot of depth to it, and, and when you make it an arcadey game like this, it's not a simulation. There's there's a lot of room to play with that depth without being overly uh, dogmatic about how it's done. So I think it really works well uh, in a video game. Yeah. I mean, Mario Golf and, and We Love Golf, which, by the way, is spelled W-E, not W-I-I. Yeah. We Love Golf has, you know, like the, the ring shot mode where uh, you, you have to aim to go through the rings that are in the course. Um, and so lots of fun things they can do to, to play with it. And um, the reason why I've always thought that tennis worked well was that, um, again, it's arcade, and it feels to me more like almost like a... A fighting game in a weird, perverse way. Yeah, um, yeah. The, because you're trying to outsmart the other guy it, just to make him go left when you want to go right. It's right. really the only way you can really do anything when you have two people that are pretty good at playing against each other. Exactly. So to me, it's kind of like a, a very simple, uh, not too simple, but you know, pretty simple fighting game where it's really tactics and you know, trying to fool each other and you know, it, it works well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, since this was published by Capcom. Um, these super generic anime Camelot characters think like Golden Sun, only even more generic. Um, 
they get dressed up as various Capcom characters. Um, so one of them gets a costume that makes them look like Apollo from Ace Attorney. One of them gets a character that makes them look like um, Zack from Zack and Wiki. And, and you know, nice. it makes you think, like, why didn't they just use Capcom characters to start with? Because it actually looks a lot better with, with them in those costumes. Yeah, that, that's actually a good point because like Capcom, especially, they have you know plenty of legacy mascot characters, yeah. and throw throw any of them in a game like this, and it's automatically going to sell that much better because people want to play as those characters. Even if you know we all want a new Mega Man game, but hey, stick them on the golf course or in a, I don't know Smash Brothers. People love that. Yeah, I have to think the reason why uh, that didn't happen is because Camelot probably was developing this without a publisher for a long time. You know, uh, yeah. probably hoping Nintendo would pick them up, and when they didn't, they had other characters, and, and then Camelot, uh, Capcom came along, so you know they were able to shoehorn the the costumes in probably without uh, having to retheme the whole thing as a as a Capcom, you know, all stars uh, thingamajig. I was really interested in getting this game. I decided not to get it after reading some reviews because um, the way the swing mechanic works in this game, it's I don't want to say it's waggle, but um, it's not what you would expect. Um, you kind of do a backswing, but it's you know it's it's very much timing, just like the button presses in Mario Golf, only mm-hmm. is using the Wii remote. So it's like you start the backswing and the timer starts to go, and then when you start the follow through, that's the top of your swing, and it's not really a quote unquote one to one type type of thing where if you you know go back and forward quickly, that's what you see on the screen in the same way. So. Um, uh, that, when I read that, and that was the primary complaint, I, I wasn't happy with Wii Golf and Wii Sports, but... Well, actually, I liked Wii Golf a lot. In fact, uh, every once in a while, you know, I, I stick it in there and just, you know, do some bowling and do some golf yeah. uh, every once in a while. But, you know, that's really the thing with, with Wii. Uh, like, Motion Plus sort of helped it a little bit, but even before that, it, it, that you know, that's what makes or breaks a game, sure. is how well you get to motion controls and especially for something like golf yeah and so people said the motion controls are really good for this game except that one aspect of the swing they just weren't going for what people expected you know it wasn't that it was poorly implemented it was that it maybe was a little counterintuitive but all the other motion stuff worked really well on the pointer stuff so if that isn't an issue for you if you don't mind that um i do think you should hunt this game down i i it looks it's a Mario Golf game, right? You know, so if you want Mario Golf with more courses and fewer Mario characters, <laughs> uh, go for it. Um, but so uh, you know, like, we, we, it's we like Mario Golf, except with less Mario, so then it's just golf. Well, well I guess came out made <laughs> at least some of the Hot Shots games, and that was oh yeah, I love the Hot Shots they, games. Yeah, so this might be a little closer to the the Hot Shot series. Um, before we move on uh, to the next game, I, I do have an ulterior motive for why I chose this. Uh, yeah, I should have game. known too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was in- intentionally uh, vague as to w- where Wendy and I kind of got back together, and um, it was uh, related to yet another former Planet GameCube staffer, uh, Adam Contras, whom you might remember from the legendary E3 uh, 2002 uh, DVD we made. Uh, he oh, was yeah. the he was the master behind behind that he <laughs> he he was the producer extraordinaire uh, as well as you know the videographer while we were on the show floor and I um, mean that's what he does he he does video blogs and well he, he's a very artistic guy all around and uh, so uh, one thing he did just on, on a lark 
was uh, create a mini golf course in his backyard because oh, he's, he's just that kind of a guy. Um, yeah. and, and we're not talking some piddly thing where it's you know like just like pieces of string or something on a green. This is it's a legit. It's backyard legit. mini golf yeah. course. <laughs> and uh, Wendy, you you've been a part of this uh, golf con as, as he calls it. Golf con is the name of the course um, since uh, the very beginning, right? Well, just about the very beginning. I think he opened it in like 2012, and he was just you no know, putting around for a year. And then out of the blue, he gives me a call, and he said, "Hey, you know what's going on?" I was like, "Hey, man, today hey, you want to come over to my place? I got a golf course." Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I set up my eyes on this thing for the first time, and it is just glorious. Yeah, uh, it, it is. Um, <laughs> it, it's so creative. Um, every hole. Uh, is its own thing, and and he manages to reuse some of the fairways or greens uh, in clever ways, you know, to save space, and it, it it's really clever. And uh, what he's turned this into is a uh, episodic um, video blog, as well as a, a charity event. Uh, you can go to golfcon.com. That's G-O-L-F-K-O-N.com, and. Uh, and he's got all the videos, and uh, you know the latest one was like a thirty-minute long thing. It was yeah. my first uh, time there, and as a part of the action, and I did pretty well. I won't give away everything, but I, you know, I, I was, uh, I was, I came up from behind and uh, did pretty well. So beginner's luck. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Um, yeah, Wendy's, uh, I think, ranked number two on the on the list still. Uh, still for now. Somebody finally beat Adam at his own backyard mini golf course. Yeah. And like I said, this is a charity event now, too. So uh, yeah, Adam is looking for uh, charity uh, organizations as well as business sponsors. And the idea is that the businesses come in and they sponsor like a whole, right? And maybe and they're flexible. You can, you know, the business can choose how much they want to donate. But uh, this last event, I think it was $2 for every birdie and $10 for every eagle, which is basically a hole in one since uh, part three is the highest uh, hole. Right, and I think he wound up, what do we get, like 700, 800 bucks to charity or something? Yeah, yeah. And, and that should go up a little bit since uh, starting next time uh, there's, a, there's a fee for entry, which uh, makes total sense. Right, because this thing's getting a little, like, he, like it was the funniest thing, he kind of realized um, last tournament is like, you know, there's going to be all these people here, like, oh, wait a second, <laughs> this is in my yeah. backyard. <laughs> You know, this, this thing's getting big. We next time we're gonna there. What is it? The Claudia Wells uh, from uh, Back, Back to the, the Future is is uh, helping sponsor this uh, with with the charity she's affiliated with. And uh, the time machine is going to be there. Yeah, so That's this is getting pretty big. You can, uh, like I said, this is all at uh, golfcon.com. G O L F K O N. Um, and Adam Contras, uh, he posts these episodic content. You can watch all the tournaments and competitions thus far as well as uh, making thereof and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun i'm really yeah. looking forward to the next event and yeah, we hoping, had a good... hoping to do a at least qualify but uh it's that's going to be tough yeah. this uh it's yeah, tough mean, competition yeah i mean the one we just did was just top eight the next one's top four so it's gonna be a lot yeah. tougher uh but well, yeah it's a, it's a great time out uh we saw dan bloodworth uh former yep. staff alum now game trailers uh that was fun and uh yeah more and more people are going to show up now that the secret's kind of out why do you yeah. tell everybody, dude? Now they know. Well, if you live in the LA area, you, you might want to drop Adam a line. His contact info is on his on the website golfcon.com. Uh, and uh, you know, if he likes you, he, uh, he well, you know. But it is in his backyard, 
So the uh, the address is uh, sensitive information, right? We're, we're not yeah. gonna publish. You gotta that. know a guy to get in. Yeah. It's one of those places. It's like it's like Augusta National. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Except it's like, nothing exactly like, like Augusta National. That's right. <laughs> Tradition unlike any other. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the second game, which is uh, from uh, the bowels of Wendy's memories. Yes. I do mean bowels. Oh yeah. Beautiful question mark. So it's eight bit. I don't care what it is. I love it.
Wendy, would you like to read the question? Certainly. The hint question for this game. What gourmet fruit do enemy momos turn into after you zap them? This game's so weird. It is. This is such an obvious game. I know. I mean, everyone out there should know that this is the greatest Game Boy game of all time. Mr. <laughs> Chin's Gourmet Paradise. And I do not exaggerate when I say that. I swear to God, this is my favorite Game Boy game. And there's absolutely no reason whatsoever why it should be. Um, did you actually own this as a kid? Is that why? Is this like the only game you had for like five months? Well, let me tell you a story about that, actually. This is the game that... or the, let, me, let me generalize. This is the type of game that you would just happen to get, and your parents would just give it to you in the backseat of the car. Here, play this. Yeah. And you play it, and you play it, and you play it, and you play it. And that happened to me. And for whatever reason, I just liked it. And, you know, I, I just couldn't get it out of my head because of how weird it was, as you may have seen when you played it a little bit. But about... Um, oh, yeah. Three months ago, I'll say, um, I peruse into my local game shop, as I do every couple of months when I'm over uh, by my parents' house, and, you know, I go through the NES games and the SNES games, and I go over to the cabinet with the game, like, <gasps> there it is, give it to me, three ninety nine, and I have it again. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I can't believe it. <laughs> so I, I play it. The concept of this game, it, it's kind of like a... Um... Almost like a bubble bobble type of a game. It's, you know, it's like yeah. a puzzle platformer and a set. Weak on the puzzle. More emphasis on the action. And um, the concept is, if I understand it correctly, you're you're this uh, fat, or at least um, yeah, uh, fat guy uh, goes around transforming bizarro-looking furry monsters into pieces of fruit, namely peaches, um, and then. You go on and then you eat them. Yeah, I didn't know, even know they were peaches until... Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much the entire game. <laughs> yeah, and, and by the way, the box art looks like... In true late 90s, or late ladies, early 90s form, looks nothing like the character in the game. Um, mm-hmm. In-game, he looks kind of like Anpan Man. Um, uh, kind of a, a, I don't know, caricature, a Japanese caricature of... Chinese people or something. I'm not sure what what that is. Yeah, yeah, probably. In the <laughs> the box art and art, you know, that's on the sticker for the game looks totally different. Um, and and far creepier. <laughs> you know, we're talking like Mega Man levels of creepy. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty <laughs> creepy. Yeah. So what what about it? You 
I I really don't I really can't answer that definitively. I think it's just you know most I think it's like eighty percent childhood memories and twenty percent just the bizarreness of it. I mean it's not yeah. that difficult of a game. It's not even all that long of a game. It's only got eight levels and like three bonus levels, and you could mm. literally beat this game in ten minutes. Wow. <laughs> the only thing is that you just you just there's there's no end. You just keep going and going and going until you die. At which point you wind up in jail. Yeah, just you know, you're transforming these monsters into fruit. That's got to be a crime of nature of some kind, right? Right. I mean, the the only the interesting thing, I guess, for me about this game is that is the fact that you know the platforms are breakable. Like you jump and break them with your head, like a Mario yeah. game, basically. And inside the bricks are various power-ups. But the one I would always go for would be the one that I guess looks like a little drum, or I don't know what that is. But it's basically infinite multi-jump. And once you get that, you can just clean house. And there is no real reason to do it, but I like doing it. <laughs> I would uh, wager that this Star published game, which I think was only released in the U.S., was developed in two months by Tose. That, that is my yeah. theory, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a, I guess, first, first, second generation Game Boy game, I would say. It's only about a year after the Game Boy came out, this game came out, so, I mean, it was understandably light on content. Yeah, yeah, it'd be around the same era as Alleyway, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, but just the whole concept, I mean, who comes up with this? <laughs> Maybe he had a bad peach and, like, some wild dream, and two months later, Game Boy game! Everything's weird about this game, from the enemy design to the concept. I, yeah. But I love it. I love it. I love it. And I don't know why. I just love it. I, the bonus stages are even more ridiculous. I mean, the, they just, the, the peaches just keep coming down and you just eat them. That's how you kill the enemy, basically. After you turn them into a peach, you eat them. But the thing with the bonus stage is that all you have to do is go up to the little point where the peaches drop down, and it's just... Either just goes right into his mouth and they drop down again. <laughs> so it's just basically. <laughs> oh my god! Why does this game exist? All right. Well, we're, we're going to move on to the next game here. Yes, please do. Enough of the Mister Chinning.
All right, here comes the next song. This is a game that uh, Winnie doesn't know. Um, it's a listener request, so I will ask the question. Well, we got to get to the second song first, don't you? That was the second song. You missed the first song. <laughs> oh, the joys of internet connection problems. Yeah. All right, here we go. Why is this game so rare in North America? Ooh, that's interesting.
Any idea what game this is, Wendy? Well, um, that question about it being really rare and having a specific reason why it's rare did really pique my interest, and plus it was pretty easily to search for something on the internet, maybe really quick. Uh, is this a Super Nintendo game? It is. Uh, Hagani the Final Conflict. Bam! Wow. Bam! You really shouldn't cheat using Google, but still, that's <laughs> impressive. Yes, this is Hagane, The Final Conflict, which was uh, rare because it was released only through Blockbuster. Here's a good idea. Let's only give it to Blockbuster. We'll rent the game. We won't market it at all. Um, and we'll see how well it does. Yeah. <laughs> and we wonder why Blockbuster isn't in business anymore. <laughs> so, this is apparently really well-received game, you know, critically, and, um, but it's, it's really rare. Like, it goes for, like, 150 bucks on eBay. Uh, it's an action game in the style of Ninja Gaiden. Right. It's, uh, it's got a more sophisticated control scheme. It's almost like, um, it's kind of like if you took the, the fighter, uh, power-up from, like, Kirby Superstar, um, and, you know, made it even cooler, and, then threw it in its own like real hard core action game, um, really difficult. That's kind of how I I can describe it, just because it you know every direction plus a button does something different, or you know yeah, yeah. combination thereof, or you know if you do it push the button a couple of times, more things happen. Very fast paced game, looks really cool, sounds pretty good. I've only heard good things about it, but uh, it's really rare. Uh, not released on Virtual Console anywhere. It, it's surprising because it, it was developed by, um, I think it was developed by Red, the same guys who did Bonk, and published by Hudson. So they're fairly prolific on Virtual Console, um, at least on the Wii. And they're even still publishing some stuff for 3DS, I guess. So it, it's not out of the question that this could get a release eventually, but um, is isn't looking promising if it didn't come out. On the way. I, I can't. I can't wrap my head around this. I mean, it, I'm looking up at a little bit of it already, and it, it looks really intriguing. It sounds like it was a really good game, but you could only rent it at Blockbuster. Someone, someone was Who made that decision. Gun shy. I don't know. I don't want to, wow. you know, buy you know uh, that many cartridges. So I'll just buy a few and give them to Blockbuster to see how well they do. Well, that, that's I really interesting that was- because there there have been a, a few Blockbuster only. Or like rental only video games before, haven't there? I think there was like uh, Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, that's why I remember that. Um, I don't understand the business case for doing that. I really don't. Well, I mean, it's a. I mean, why just have it for rental? I mean, if you do a rental and put it out to retail, you're always going to get the rental sales, but you also might get some kind of retail sales on top of the rental sales. So uh, it's a feedback loop, is the way I look. I mean, if you market for a game you've published. And it's in high demand, and people can't find it, or they don't own the system. They can rent that shit at Blockbuster, right? That's what you know. That's why people. That's why kids went to the store to, to you know, rent their N64s back in the day, and not get Mario 64 because it was already, you know, they had rented all those out. So you got Killer Instinct Gold, which for me sucked. But um, <laughs> that, that's what makes sense. Doing this, like, oh, you only at Blockbuster. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> I guess you could envision a situation where someone discovers the game at Blockbuster and tells all their friends about it. Right, but then they can still only rent it. Yeah, And if exactly. everybody's rented it, nobody can play it. Who 
don't have the rental copies. So. Right. So I, I've whatever, but that I mean, at least they got some sort of Western release, I guess. But um, this would be a great pick for virtual console. I don't know how likely it is to happen. This is like this is blowing my mind. I just I just can't I can't fathom this. I mean, obviously, especially today, where you know the rental industry is pretty much dead. Yeah. Uh, for video, I mean, there's GameFly, obviously, but nobody's gonna make a game that's only for GameFly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, after you're done listening to this podcast, YouTube Hagane, also known as Hagane, the Final Conflict. I guess the box had the subtitle, but the you know the in-game it just said Hagane. Do a search; they're one and the same. And um, just watch some videos. It looks really cool. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's looking like a pretty pretty badass little uh, action shooter here.
So not to harp on Hagana anymore, but um, I was watching another video while while that was playing, and this game has wall jumps too. What the hell? <laughs> why why don't we have this game right now? I want this. I kind of want it too, actually. Yeah, uh, I forgot to mention who requested that game. Uh, Hagane was requested by Derek, also known as MASB, in the forums, I believe. So thank you, Derek, for introducing me to this game that I now want to try. Mm. But meanwhile, we have a game that I think a lot of people will want to try, or maybe have already played, or maybe they haven't. I don't know. That's the beauty of trying to figure this out. Yes, yes. But back to your request. Yes. Sorry.
probably loop somewhere in there. Or not. Maybe you know, maybe this game really has long songs. They're really good. I just was blissing out there for a little bit. Yeah. That was good. Uh, we do have a question here. Yeah, I think I'll ask it. Let me uh, pull it up. Okay, so here's the hint question. What special stage do you unlock after earning one million total stunt points? Okay, Wendy, this is firmly in your wheelhouse. What game is this? This is Rush 2049 for the Nintendo 64. Of course, this is the third game in the old San Francisco Rush series on the N64 arcade and all that good stuff. Uh, what can I say? This is just a great, 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 great game and a nice little, uh, nice little uh, third threequel, you know? Uh, just, uh, this is the future, 2049. We're going to have uh, jumping, flying cars and explosions when they crash into things and floating coins that you collect and you unlock cars and snap into a Slim Jim and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, this has product placement of uh, 
what, what was it? Slim Jim, and there was one other one. Was it Mountain Dew? Or I don't think it was Mountain Dew, but I, I can't remember what it was. I can't it was forget Dickies. the Slim Jims. Yes, it was Dickies. Right. Yeah, because you know, nothing screams an edgy, futuristic racer like Dickies. San Francisco is a working man's town. <laughs> <laughs> for your go-to place for uniforms. <laughs> I, I never played the, the Rush series. What distinguished it from... Other futuristic racers like, uh, oh, oh. like F Zero. Well, or... I mean, it's not a futuristic racer in the sense of an F Zero or a Wipeout or an Extreme G. It's just, it, it just kind of worked out because you know, San Francisco Rush is like your you know classic arcade racing game, and then a uh, Rush Two like expanded that just outside of San Francisco, just made it, like bigger, pretty much. Uh, but mm. 2049 really kind of refined the original game. Uh, you know, they just kind of went full circle and just put the game back in San Francisco again. And the the tracks are mostly similar to how they were in the original. Uh, but all, things were just um, well, they're just a lot better, really, um, a little bit faster. I mean, it felt. Um, I mean, the, the main thing about 2049, the the main that's not really a gimmick, I'll say, but the main gameplay feature was the fact that your car had wings and you could like you know spit out wings on demand. Hmm. So, because uh, you know, in the original, if you go off the hill the wrong way, you're pretty much done for. But in uh, 2049, if you kind of go off a little wonky, you just like um, in the arcade, there's like an extra pedal. But in the N64 game, there was a button you press, and your wings would come out, and you could tilt and roll uh, to kind of correct ah. yourself or fly further or uh, kind of position yourself better or uh, you know access shortcuts and stuff like that. So kind of like the hang glider uh, thing in Mario Kart 7. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it just makes you more floaty and gives you a little more air control, basically. And um, that's really how the game sort of expanded into other areas, too, because, of course, um, uh, Rush 2 had a stunt mode, and uh, 2049 had a big stunt mode, it's like uh, six stunt tracks, I think, or something. And you can rack up insane scores just by basically spitting your wings out and just spinning and rolling and flipping like a madman. You could just rip astronomical scores if you could like chain stuff together in a certain way. And uh, that's actually the answer to the hint question, is that if you can uh, rack up a million points all together, you unlock a special kind of obstacle track. Um, it's, it's really an obstacle course with like traps and stuff basically designed to destroy your car. If it, you know, a big, big uh, pendulum swings by and it smashes you in the side, that's it. But um, that was, I remember unlocking that. It was actually a really neat kind of side thing because you have to say a time limit to get through it. But it was all you know set within the game's you know driving. You know, you saw the drive the thing like it was any other track. It's just right. put so much crap around to try to you know hit you or take you out or crush you or like you know moving walls and platforms and big jumps and uh, uh, like t- tunnels you had to go. It was really fun. I mean, just the game in general was really fun. Um, it, they even kind of put in a battle mode, <laughs> which for that type of game, it really doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't. But it, it actually works okay. It's it was pretty fun to play. I remember playing it. You, know, you can do like split screen four player. They just you know put giant guns at the top of your car, and you just run around and you just shoot people. You know, kind of like a like the car combat. I guess car combat was sort of the the big thing at the end. It was. It was time. like that. Vigilante eight. Vigilante eight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they just put that in there. Hey, what the heck? You know, this is an add-on. And it's actually a pretty good add-on, so... 
Well, I don't think we'll ever see a re-release of that game. Oh, um, man, that's too bad. This was published under the Midway label, Atari owning it at that point, right? Uh, actually, I think Atari came in later. Uh, I think by the time um, like the, uh, the, the other Rush game came out on like, PS2 and Xbox, we don't, we don't speak of that too, too much. Uh, that's when Atari came in, I, I believe. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it was, it was, it was around the time, if not after Rush Twenty Forty Nine was out, I believe Atari game came in. I, yeah, I might be wrong uh, on that, but that's, that's how I remember it. Oh well, well, if you're if you're interested, you're probably gonna have to dig up a old N sixty four cartridge because not gonna play it any other way. This came out on Dreamcast too, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it did. So I guess you could look for that too. Yeah. But um, play more Dreamcast again, games. I, we love the Dreamcast. We do love the Dreamcast. If you don't like the Dreamcast, you should stop playing video games right now. Well, we got one last game here, which um, was another windy request. Oh, yeah.
More childhood goodness. You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, I'll ask the question this time. Go for it. What are the names of the three good teams you can skate for in this game? But, but listener, listeners would be uh, correct to have a familiar sound to this game, but no, it's not Turtle Power. It is Roller Games for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Developed by Konami slash Ultra. 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 Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it sounds like a, it sounds like it, and it plays like it too. It's just a you know a kind of a side scroll um beat 'em up. But the key difference is that you're on roller skates. So, uh, well, I mean, your sprites on roller skates. <laughs> It is faster paced than the yeah. Turtles game, but it's definitely like built on that same engine as TMNT 2. Absolutely, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, just it's, it's pretty obvious when you watch the game. Right, right, right. And uh, the, the premise of the game is you know pretty cheesy for the time. Um, you know, you're going around on roller skates. You uh, jump over obstacles, pits, rolling barrels, uphill, downhill, and you you know you punch guys on the way to you know. Screen, like static screens where guys come out of the door and then you beat them up or throw them. You know, pr- pretty pretty uh, straightforward. Beat them up for the time. Uh, but the thing about this game is that it's um, it's a licensed game, and really it's the property that the game is based off of that kind of makes this game what it is. Or it's really about all the TV show, effectively. Yeah. Uh, uh, Roller Games was a um, syndicated television show in 1989, 1990, that, that year. It was basically a roller derby TV show. And, um... <laughs> Think uh, Worldwide Wrestling Federation uh, only with inline skates. Is that a well, fair statement? Well, yeah, not inline skates, just roller skates, yeah, but, I mean... Uh, 
little, little quick history lesson. Like, um, nowadays I kind of fly my trade in roller derby. Um, I have a blog, and I know a lot of uh, players and organizations as far as what they're doing with it today. Uh, today the game's all legitimate, but before it used to be pretty much like wrestling in that um, there was sort of like the, the, the organization that kept things kind of straight and legit-ish, and then there was the type that was like wrestling. And Roller Games was the type that was like wrestling. And uh, in the 89-90, they had this TV show that was just incredibly, impossibly ridiculous. Oh my god, they had like a big giant figure-eight track with the wall of death that you had to skate up, uh, jump, and if the game was tied, uh, you had to go to sudden death over time, where they brought in an alligator. <laughs> put him into the alligator pit, and the losing team was the one that had their skater thrown into the alligator pit. And somebody actually got thrown into the alligator pit, and I just cannot... To this day, I cannot believe they did that. It was <laughs> a trained <laughs> alligator. Uh, oh, man. If, you, I, there are no words. There are literally no words for this. If, if you look it up on YouTube, oh, I've got um, that part of it, and also a game from the TV show on my YouTube channel. It's it's, uh, it's something else, I'll tell you that. Uh, so, uh, so so this thing's legitimate now. They have real roller derbies that that aren't, you know, people's, yeah. you know, false drama stories that... It really was. That TV show really was, like, full-on, you know, wrestler-type sagas and shit. And, and Which is hence why in this game the, the premise is, like, the characters have been kidnapped and... Or what is it? The... Like, the, the owner of the league got kidnapped by the three evil teams, right. and uh, you had to pick one of the three good teams to rescue them. Uh, the evil teams were the Violators, the Maniacs, and, uh, uh, shoot, I can't remember, Violators, Maniacs, and the Bad Attitude was the, other, was the other bad team. And then the uh, three good teams, and of course these are the ones you could select, were uh, Hot Flash, Rockers, and the T-Birds, which was actually a real team like that played derby like through the 60s and 70s, and then they kind of went to the wrestling angle of it. But uh, you, you might you might have heard of them if you're kind of an older older folk. But uh, and that was kind of the, the deal with the show too. Like you, know, you had the good teams playing the bad teams, and sometimes if you had two good teams playing each other, you'd have the, the good good team and the good neutral team and the good bad team. Like an affinity chart, but those teams. So, uh, but uh, yeah, but today roller derby, it's a it's a pretty pretty amazing thing. It's predominantly female. They sort of kind of um, brought it back and it's all grassroots do it yourself today. But it's it's gotten pretty big. There's a uh, 1500, 1600, I don't know, leagues worldwide, uh, old amateur, um, and they're playing international too. Actually, just this weekend. Um, I think it was Detroit and one of Denver's teams, and Toronto went over to London. Uh, they kind of all play each other over there. They do that every year. Some teams go over there, and sometimes they come over here. So um, it's pretty—it's a pretty incredible thing that's happening. So, for those unfamiliar, what, what are the basic rules of a roller derby as, as it's played now? Uh, well, it will always play. I mean, even this this wacky and wild TV show still abided by the basics of the game. Uh, you got two teams of five players. One of them's called a jammer, and the idea of the game is for uh, each team to try to get their jammer uh, through the other team, and then the jammer laps around on, on a circle track, like a racetrack, and then they have to 
re-pass them again, like lap them, and every time the jammers lap the opposing team's players, they get a point. Uh, but both teams are trying to do that at the same time. So you're playing offense and defense uh, at the same time simultaneously. It's really the only uh, sport, American invented sport, I should say, uh, that, that's like that. So it's a really unique thing. On roller skates, of course. That's the whole idea. But, but that's, that's not how the NES game works. I think that's how the arcade game works. I think the arcade game uh, actually yeah. is a legitimate roller derby uh, simulator or arcade game. I don't know if you call it a simulator, but um, it, it is a roller derby video game. Yeah, yeah, there are there have been a couple roller derby or roller derby-ish video games throughout the years. In fact, roller games um, had like, the NES game, but it also had an arcade game and also had a pinball game. And, uh, yeah, actually, I played the pinball, and it's pretty nice. And um, then there's also, um, on WiiWare, I, I brought this up uh, to you earlier, it's called the Jam City Roller Girls. That one's actually got real players in it, and real teams. Uh, like, from uh, New York and Seattle, and, uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> that's where the developers were, so that they put their hometown team in there. Yeah, but even that's not a real game, it's more like a kart racer kind of style game but okay. it's, it's, it's pretty nice with two players all right well uh did, did you want to mention that blog again yeah so nowadays i'm, I'm obviously done writing about uh, video games but um you can find my roller derby blog at rollerderbynotes.com uh, pretty soon it's gonna be an actual website but now it's just a little blog while i do some stuff behind the scenes and you know, try to poke time for that so but uh yeah roller derby is amazing i recommend it support your local roller derby league very cool. Well, um, we're going to wrap things up here. Again, check out uh, Wendy's uh, Roller Derby blog at rollerderbynotes.com. You can check out uh, GolfCon, G-U-L-F-K-O-N. It's a K, not a C. And uh, check out our other podcasts, Radio Free Nintendo, uh, Connectivity, Famicast. And uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'll be, I'll be back some more. Count on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look to my handlers to decide that. <laughs> Am I still in charge? I think it some coffee. Uh, no. <laughs> Alright, bye everybody. Bye.
We Love Golf is copyright 2007, Capcom Camelot. Mr. Chin's Gourmet Paradise is copyright 1990, Romstar. Hagane, The Final Conflict is copyright 1997, Hudson Soft Red. San Francisco Rush 2049 is copyright 1999, Midway Games. Roller Games is copyright 1990, Konami.